One of the uh, biggest mistakes I suspect most JFK researchers make is that they don't let the evidence change their mind. They start off with a preconceived idea of what happened that day in Diddy Plaza, and as they go through the evidence, they pick and choose the evidence that seemingly already agrees with them, and they deem everything else as insignificant. And what happens when they do this is that they leave a lot of important questions unanswered. Uh, the questions I'm referring to, for example, why did the uh, shooter from the sixth floor, supposedly Lee Harvey Oswald, why didn't he shoot the president on Houston Street? A much easier shot. Why did he wait until the president's limousine was on Elm Street, a curved road with trees in between? A much worse shot. Why was there more lead on Governor Conley's wrist than what was missing from the supposed pristine bullet. If that's the case, then that bullet did not hit, was not the bullet that hit Governor Conley's wrist. Why uh, were there multiple credible witnesses that claimed that there were bullet holes in the windshield, in the limousine windshield? Why did the president's head go back into the left? I fully understand and accept that ballistic experts claim that the motion of the head does not necessarily indicate the direction of the bullet. But even still though, why would the head go back and to the left, especially since the bullet came from back to the right? There, there has to be a reason. This unanswered questions by all the uh, JFK researchers that agree with the Warren Commission is why most people still to this day do not believe them. These uh, big-wig researchers, like for example Vincent Bugliosi or Gerard Posner, they go through the evidence and highlight the evidence that agrees with them, but they don't even bother to answer those questions. They leave those questions open and inadvertently leave room for doubt. So when I started my own research, I started it to answer those questions. I wanted to know. I wanted to find answers to those questions. Uh, I was just as doubtful of their results, even the Warren Commission, as pretty much everybody else. So when I uh, started going through the evidence, because I let the evidence change my mind, I think I came to a more reliable, concrete scenario that actually fits all the evidence. If you take all the evidence into account, even the evidence that seems to contradict itself or other or the official story, and I didn't ignore anything, I was. I think I was able to come to a conclusion that uh, I eventually uh, agreed that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone and was shooting from the sixth floor. But I, like I said earlier, I didn't ignore any of those open questions. I, I eventually took some time, but I eventually came up with what I think are reasonable, believable answers to those questions. So anyways, though, so today I'm going to uh, try to answer the question, why did quite a few of the witnesses on Elm Street not only seem to disagree with the Warren Commission, but they seem to uh, contradict each other? And I think after we go through all of their testimony, we can come up with a scenario that is most likely the truth without ignoring anything.
have quite a few witnesses that day on Elm Street, but I'm gonna stick to just five to make the video shorter, but also because I think this particular five witnesses will help us come up with a scenario that will eventually fit with all the evidence gathered that day. The first witness I'm gonna focus on is Mary Woodward. She would have been on, on the north side of Elm Street on the sidewalk a few feet, maybe 10 to 20 feet from the corner of uh, Houston and Elms. I've used her before in other videos where I use her testimony to come to what I think is a pretty good conclusion that the rifle found on the sixth floor was the actual assassin's rifle. Despite the evidence, the seemingly contradictory evidence about that rifle, I think because of her testimony and a few other witnesses, I was able to conclude beyond a reasonable doubt that that rifle was the rifle. I'll link that video at the end somewhere around here for whomever is interested. Well, anyways, for the part of her testimony that I'm gonna focus on today is that she claimed that the bullets came to her right towards the back. In other words, pretty much referring to the grassy knoll area right in front of the quite tall concrete structure, completely contradicting the Warren Commission which if, uh, if she had agreed with the Warren Commission, she would have indicated to her left up above pointing towards the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository. The uh, next witnesses that I'm gonna refer to is Gail and Bill Newman on the sidewalk on the north side of Elm Street, pretty much directly in front of Sapruda. They also testified that the bullets came from directly behind, pretty much pointing to the same place as Mary Woodward, the grassy knoll uh, area or the uh, structure, the, the 12 or 15 foot tall white concrete structure, Com uh, also contradicting the Warren Commission. The next witness, uh, Gordon Arnold, which was not in the um, Warren Commission report because nobody knew he was there. Uh, in fact, he can't, he can't corroborate in, uh, being there, nobody saw him there, but there are multiple pictures taken that day of that area where he claims to have been that show a figure that, that I think was him, and also Senero Yabro, which would have been on the third or fourth car in the motorcade, claimed to have seen a person in the area where uh, Gordon Arnold claimed to be, and acting exactly how Gordon Arnold claimed he acted. Well, anyways, uh, Gordon Arnold would have been up the stairs that are right there between the uh, picket fence and white concrete structure. He would have been about, I'm guessing, about 10 to 15 feet to uh, his left would have been Supruda, and to his right would have been the picket fence about 10 feet. He would have been about at the same distance from Elm Street as the uh, picket fence. The picket fence running with Elm Street on top of that hill, grassy hill, and it takes a 90 degrees turn and goes to the back of that white concrete structure behind uh, those trees. So anyways, though, he claimed that uh, the bullets came to his left uh, directly behind him, pretty much indicating uh, where that tree was or still is there or the uh, concrete structure. The last and final would be a witness that gets ignored, Marilyn Sitzman. She was Abraham Sapruda's secretary. She was there with Abraham. She was actually holding Abraham's uh, legs or I'm not sure where, making sure he didn't fall from that concrete block where he was shooting his film. She claimed the bullet came from her left up above. 
pretty much indicating or pointing towards this Texas School Book Depository 6th floor. So uh, there's quite a few things that, that from their testimony, I think we can pretty much rule out that there were no shooters behind the picket fence. Gordon Arnold, who was the closest to the picket fence, claimed that they had came to his left and behind. In other words, nothing came from his right or from the uh, picket fence. And Gail and Bill Newman's also, they said directly behind them, in other words, excluding the picket fence. And Marilyn Sitzman, Sopruto's secretary, she also said there was nothing to her right, except for a, a Coke bottle breaking. So it pretty much blows out of the water that there were any shooters on the picket fence whatsoever. Why do some of them describe something completely different to what others in that same area describe? Uh, why do they describe something completely different to what the Warren Commission ultimately concluded, and which I agree with, at least their conclusion, that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone and was on the sixth floor? Well, I think if as long if you take all their testimony into account and you consider the layout of Diddy Plaza, you can come up with a conclusion, a, a uh, reasonable, believable conclusion. I think Mary Woodworth and the Newmans and Gordon Arnold were hearing an echo created by that white concrete tall structure. And I think the reason Marilyn Sitzmans didn't hear the echo was because she was right next to the structure. She would have been the one furthest back and closest to the structure. If a structure is creating an echo and you're right next to the structure, you do not hear the echo. You have to be a distance away from it to be able to hear the echo. And I think that's what happened. I think that's what explains their differing testimonies, even though I believe that they reported exactly what they witnessed. I don't think any of them are lying. I just think because of the layout of Dili Plaza, they all witnessed or perceived somewhat different what actually happened. And this is a, uh, a mythology, I guess, I'm not sure what to call it, that if we apply it in other instances, evidence that seems to contradict itself or seems to tell a different story, if we take into account all the evidence, we should, and I think I have come up with a scenario that actually fits all the evidence and answers all the questions without leaving big open questions that makes people doubt that we have actually come up with the answers. And all the questions that I was talking about earlier about why did a um, the assassin way to shoot the president on Elm Street instead of shooting him on Houston. Like, why did the president's head go back into the left for seemingly no reason? All the evidence, I I tried to answer all, all the open questions, and I think I'm fairly sure that I came up with answers to all of them. And not only that, I don't know if I already included this, but not only that, I came up with new evidence that I think ultimately proves that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone and that it was not a conspiracy. My scenario even explains the confusion surrounding the autopsy. It even explains at least one, or maybe more, I don't remember right now, uh, CIA agents coming out afterwards claiming to have been part of the assassination. I, I, I think I have a good explanation why they mistakenly confessed to a crime that they did not commit. So anyways, that'll be good. That'll be for another video. I guess for now that uh, this is it. Uh, I felt that the shots had come, as I wrote in my article, from behind me and to my right. 
which would have been in the direction of the grassy knoll and the railroad overpass. I thought it came from directly behind uh, towards the grassy knoll behind me. Uh, I based that primarily on the uh, third shot uh, from what I saw of the side of the president's head coming off and from the sound of the, uh, the rifle, the report of the rifle. A shot came right past my left ear and that meant it would have had to have come from this direction. And that's when I fell down. And to me, it seemed like a second shot was at least fired over my Okay, then you, you saw the, the motorcade turn the corner. And yeah, they turned the corner and they started coming down. And the first thing I remember hearing are what I thought was firecrackers, because Kennedy threw his hands up. And I heard bang, bang. Now there could have been a third bang, I can't swear to that one. But I know there was two bangs very close together and I thought it was firecrackers because of the arms going in the air. And it was way off to my left, above. And as they came down, the last shot that we heard was right in front of us. And it was like the same sound, far off and to the left. But I saw his head open up and I saw the brain spinning. 